0: Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well. It's Thursday, April 8th. It's a beautiful day outside and we are studying Romans 13 today. Uh, if you're watching live, you're seeing that I have my my master's green visor on because it's master's week. The master's start today. So get to watch that later on today. That's exciting. And um, uh, the reason why I'm wearing it because it's master's weekend, because I got my second vaccination shot this morning. So um, not looking as dapper as normal, not that I'm the most dapper fella anyway. but uh, here we are. studying Romans 13. Hope you're all having a great day and uh, thank you for making this a part of your day. So uh, we will get right start started right uh, at the beginning. verses one and two, and then I'm going to read verse 6 as well. Uh, talking about governing authorities. Paul writes. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And then verse 6, for the same reason you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants busy with this very thing. So there we go. Be subject to the governing authorities. Respect those who are in authority. Uh, good stuff from Paul. Good stuff. Uh, and we say, well, uh, not right now, right? That's not Paul didn't mean that we should be, you know, subject to the governing authorities today, right? Because they're not good. Right? You know, it, Paul was writing about something else. That's you know what we like to say. But no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Paul was writing at a time when Nero was the emperor, was the Caesar, and, um, you know, this would come as a surprise to people who read it. They're like, well, we shouldn't be subject to Nero. Nero's a jerk. Nero would burn Christians in his garden at night to provide light. He was a terrible person. Why would we be subject to him? Well, Paul says we should be subject to him. I Now, I... I question, As we, if we look at the date that Romans was written, um, I don't know that Nero was as bad uh, at that point in time, but that remains to be seen. I think what what is true here is that Paul says we should be subject to governing authorities. That that is part, Luther would go on to say that is part of the fourth commandment, to obey your mother and your father, to obey those who are in authority. And we're actually going to get to what Luther would say about this in a little bit. Okay, but first, let's look at some possible reasons why Paul might be writing this. Why would Paul write this? Uh, well, we have there. There's, there was a long history of the Jewish people uh, who were known for rebellions against the Romans, and so Paul didn't want the Christians to have that same. Uh, that same type of reputation that they were going to be a group of people who rebelled against Roman rule. Uh, because if you rebelled against Romans' rule, you had an enemy in Rome, and Rome would send, you know, forces to make sure that the rebellion was squashed. And so Paul wanted the Christians to be good citizens. Okay. Uh, Paul also realized that there was no place where all the christians could live there was no island where they could all live together and so they had to be part of a nation or an empire like rome uh and so it was important that they should understand the duties of that nation or empire and enjoy the benefits of living in there uh but that you know Christianity was still number one, uh, but you still lived in a nation or you lived in an empire, and with benefits and also with responsibilities. Right, the benefits of living in Rome was that you would uh, there was justice and you were safe. Right, Rome. If you were in Rome, you were safe. You were safe. From others, and maybe not from Rome, but there was justice in Rome. You weren't going to be unjustly punished or executed unless your name is Jesus. But you know that's last week. Uh, But there's also responsibilities, and the responsibilities are you know like you you pay taxes and you're a good citizen. Uh, And so, you know, as we think about what it means to live in America today, what are the benefits that we have as Americans and what are the responsibilities that we have? I I think Paul would say the same thing today uh, that he said then. Um, Now, Paul actually believed that God had ordained the Roman Empire to save the world from chaos because under Rome, the world was a different place. The Roman Empire was a giant place. And and under Roman rule, there there was peace, right? The, The Pax Romana, the peace of Rome if you lived in the Roman empire, if you were part of the Roman empire, you, you had kind of safety, you had peace. You didn't have to worry about, you really didn't have to worry about other armies coming and attacking you because no one's going to attack Rome. Uh, and you, you didn't have, you didn't worry about chaos, right? Because there was justice and there was safety, uh, and, and there were roads and there was infrastructure and it was a, it was a relatively good place to live. Um, and and it allowed the, the the spread of Christianity. Right there were roads people could travel, people could work. Uh, the message of Christ could get around the world, uh, and or at least the Roman Empire. And they could you know travel in safety and that kind of thing. So uh, Paul believed that God had ordained the Roman Empire to save the world from chaos. And so Paul was a Roman citizen and wasn't wasn't ashamed to be a Roman citizen. Now uh, as things went on later, you know obviously things got a little different, but you know this is. Paul writing at a time when Paul was writing, and so you know I think that's it's an important thing for us to hear uh, Paul Paul say this because I think the same is true for us today that we understand what it means to be an American citizen and that we should be good citizens, right? Uh, I think it's part of what our Christian faith. Okay, now I want to go into what Martin Martin Luther actually wrote on this. Martin Luther wrote on this and had some pretty interesting things to say. And I'd like to share some of that with you. Uh, This is in Martin Luther's uh, essay, "Secular Secular Authority to What Extent It Should Be Obeyed. So he says, you say, perchance, if no one is to be trusted, how will one rule land and people? I answer, you should entrust and take the venture, but you should not trust and depend, save on God alone. You should not trust and depend, save on God alone. I think one of the things that, that we are seeing in our country today uh, is that there are people who, who identify more with their political party than they do with their church or their faith, right? They identify more with their political beliefs than they do with their Christian beliefs. And I think that's a problem. You should not trust and depend to save on God alone. Uh, that's what Luther says. And I think that's, that's probably been true throughout all of human history, right? That people put their political agenda over their faith, And that, that I think, is a problem. Uh, So I think that's the first point that Luther makes here. He goes on to say, You must certainly entrust the offices to someone and take a chance with him, but you should not trust him otherwise than as one who may fail you and whom you must watch with unfailing vigilance. As a driver has confidence in the horses and wagon he drives, yet does not let them go their own way, but holds the reins and lash in his hand and does not sleep. So, we are to entrust the responsibility of our government to people, to elected politicians and, and you know, people who are hired to work the government, right? They're just people who that's their job. Uh, but, you know, we should trust them and we should honor them but we should not trust them otherwise as one who may fail you and you must watch with unfailing vigilance. And, and I love this that yeah, as, as a driver has confidence in the horses and wagon, but does not sleep, holds the reins and lash in his hand. You know, I mean, that's why we have, term well that's that's why we have terms maybe in some places why we have term limits but uh you know you we could argue if there should be term limits or not but but holding the reins on our politicians making sure that they're doing what they say they're going to do making sure they're not uh, doing things that they're not supposed to do right that's that's you know this unfailing vigilance is what luther says with unfailing vigilance we are to, uh, and so we honor those in secular authority we honor those in government we we honor the laws and we're good citizens however we also should have unfailing vigilance making sure that those who are there are there for the right reasons and they're not taking advantage of their position and they're doing the things that they say they're going to do and doing things that help uh, help the community and then okay he closed by this will be the last one Therefore, we will close by saying briefly that a prince's duty is fourfold, a prince's duty. so I would say that this is the duty of anyone who's an unelected official. Uh, first, that toward God consists in true confidence and sincere prayer uh, so that they're confident in God and sincere in prayer. Now clearly this is written at a time when Christianity uh, played a different role in, in culture and society in Germany uh, but uh, you know I, I I wouldn't say that you, you should only vote for people who are Christians. Uh, you know, that's that's up to you. But uh, uh, secondly, that toward his subjects consist in love and Christian service. So secondly, you know, someone who understands that they are being put there for service, right? That they are a servant of the community and that the, the position is not there uh, for the community to serve them, but for them to serve the community. Third, that toward his counselors and ruler consist in an open mind and unfettered judgment. Uh, so being open, open-minded to hear what others would say, to listen to advisors, uh, to, to, to not, not come in with the, un, with the expectation that you know everything, right? Or with the attitude that you know everything, uh, be, uh, open in mind and unfettered judgment, you know, allow yourself to change your mind because you learn something new and you find something new. And fourth, that evildoers consists in proper zeal, uh, and firmness, and so, you know, justice back to justice. So that's what Luther would say about um, the politicians and the, the government officials that we have uh, today. So I think those two go together, Romans 13 and Luther's uh, uh, writing on popular or um, secular authority. So, okay. Any thoughts on that? Would love to hear from you. Uh, leave a comment if you have thoughts. So, all right, we continue to another topic that is very relevant today in verses eight and nine: Owe no one anything except to love one another for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law the commandments you shall not commit murder you shall not i'm sorry you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not covet and any other commandment are summed up in this word love your neighbor as yourself so let's talk about owing uh owing money owe no one anything except to love one another so you could say paul is against debt paul is opposed to debt to owing something to someone else um so but we ask how can you be an american and not owe money to somebody right how can you be an american and not owe something to somebody um so I, I did this a couple of years ago, and uh, and then I did this again today to just to see if the numbers had changed, and they did. Uh, the average American, how much debt they have, and it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. Uh, average credit card debt for the average American is fifty three hundred and fifteen dollars. It's actually down from a couple of years ago. Uh, that's down, which is good news. Uh, but then the average American has a personal loan of sixteen thousand four fifty eight. Now I couldn't find that a couple of years. That's new, right? I didn't. So basically, people are have traded their credit card debt for a personal loan. Which, hey, if it's a lower interest, you know, you do you. That's I. I I didn't know people did that, but you know, that's cool. Uh, Average auto loan nineteen thousand seven hundred three dollars. Average mortgage debt. This is up like fifty thousand dollars in the last five years. Average mortgage debt two hundred eight thousand one hundred eighty five dollars. It's the average. And the average person has a home equity line of credit at 41,954. So, interesting. Uh, Average student loan debt, 38,792. That's up like $7,000 just in the last few years. And the US government debt as of this morning is up to over 23 trillion dollars. And I got this from Experian's Consumer Credit Review for 2020. And uh, that $23 trillion came from Google this morning, so I don't know how accurate uh, it is or not, but a lot of debt, a lot of debt. Uh, Paul says, owe no one to anything, and I ask, can we survive without debt? Individually and as a nation. Can we survive without debt? Individually, can you survive without debt? Think about it. Can you survive without debt? Uh, I think we could, I think my family could, but we wouldn't own a home right we would live we'd live in a um in an apartment and we could survive i think without debt we could be debt free except we'd have to pay rent every month um i mean we have equity in our home so i don't know if uh, you know if there's such a thing as good debt you know our home continues to appreciate uh and so you know i see it as an investment more than just like a uh, you know maybe what Paul is saying is don't have uh, unsecured debt I don't know I mean you know could you could you say that uh, uh, could I could I change Paul's words to mean that I don't know uh, but I think it's an interesting thought could our nation survive without debt well probably but we'd have to sell off like a lot of stuff, right? we'd have to sell off Hawaii, <laughs> we'd have to sell off Alaska. Hey, Alaska, oh, by the way you do, you've been bought by the Russians. you know we'd have to sell stuff to pay off our but uh you know we do have a lot of assets I don't know uh you know sell national parks and government land and uh, stuff like that. I know in Michigan there's a uh, an, an air an air national guard base right on the coast that would probably be pr- pretty valuable, you know, a lot of acres right on uh, right on the lake um the Great Lakes, so I don't know you know, it's, it would be interesting to, but, um, I, you know, just to think about, you know, what is, what is the point of debt and are we spending money we don't have? And you know, what, what, what does the Bible say about that? But I think, I think Paul takes it a step further. It's not just about money. It's don't owe favors, right? Don't owe others a favor. Be like, oh, you did me something nice. You did something nice for me. Now I have to do something nice for you. Uh, Don't expect others to return. If you do something nice for someone, don't expect them They're not in your debt. Don't expect them to do something nice for you in return. Right. Uh, The only debt that we owe, if we do owe, is to God. Right. So um, and we pay that. We we repay that through love. Uh, So he goes on to say when we do others uh, do favors for others, we're repaying God because, you know, we are uh, following the commandment to love one another. And you know that is what God asks us to do, and it's not that we're in debt to God because what God has given us is a gift that we could never and we can never pay it back but we we do live to please God right not not that there's like a ledger, a balance that you know if we do so many good things that God is going to be like okay you've you've satisfied the the debt that you owe me that that's not the way it works, but you know we do want to do good things and do things to please God, and by doing you know by loving others that's how we That's how we do that. Uh, He says the one who loves uh, another has fulfilled the law. So a little bit on debt and loving one another. Um, All right. Verses 12 through 14, some sins to be wary of, sins to stay away from. Verses 12, let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness not in quarreling and jealousy instead put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So, uh, this understanding is like that you're going to, you're, you want to come across as a good person. And so, you know, in the daytime, you don't sin because you don't want others to see, but at night at night, well, when others aren't around, when others can't see, then, you know, anything goes. So live honorably as in the day, you know, live, live as if people are watching you all the time, right? Not, I mean, that's creepy, but live as if, you know, people can see what you're doing. Um, and so do not uh, be not in reveling in drunkenness, you know? So do not be a part of a, a loud, drunken group of people, you know, who are a nuisance to society and to others, you know? They just don't, there's what good comes of that right now sometimes it's okay to to hang out with your friends i mean jesus hung out with his friends at night and drank wine it's not like you know but but you know to drink to to get drunk and then to be loud and obnoxious and you know in public you know it's not 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 what we should be doing uh, licentiousness and debauchery licentiousness and debauchery uh, the true meaning of immorality to Paul is the desire for the forbidden bed, right? Licentiousness, this, this desire to, to be in bed with others, uh, to be, you know, uh, to have many partners and for it to be casual. And you know, it, Paul says, you know, no, but we live in a society where sex sells, Right. Where where people are going to try and use lust to get you to do things to manipulate you through uh through your lust through your sexual desires I mean that's part of uh, uh that's that's part of the the world we live in that's part of advertising um uh, you know and debauchery says you know it's these evil deeds that we keep in private but you know Paul says you know I, I understand there's things there's evil bad things you do right. Um, and you do them in private. Uh, but debauchery is like, I'm going to do all these things and I don't care who sees, I'm just going to do them in public. I I don't care who's, I don't, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people see. I don't care. I don't care. You know, I I just don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want, you know? And it's like, no, that, that does no good for the church. That does no good for a person of faith. That is not who we're supposed to be and what we're called to do. Uh, uh, so uh okay. Quarrelling. Quarrelling. Man, we live in a quarrelling world. Core Quar- other other translations might might uh translate this as dissension or contention. You know this this holy unholy competition that we have that we don't want to be in second place, that we hate being wrong, uh that we're unwilling to uh, to give in to our opinions, you know to that we're unwilling to, uh, to admit defeat, that we're unwilling to uh, admit that someone else is better or smarter or knows more than we do, even if they're a professional or studied this. I mean, uh, I've gotten so much medical advice over the last year that is like opposed to what my doctor says. You know, it's like, well, one of you went to medical school. I'm going to listen to him, right? Or her. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, it, it's just, this is the way that the world is where we just have this hatred of being wrong, We'd, and so when we're talking to somebody who literally knows more than we do instead of seeing it as an opportunity to learn something instead of seeing it as an opportunity to shut our mouth and open our ears and learn something we're like no that's not right that's not right No, i read on facebook something else right i mean just this this wanting to quarrel this 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 unwillingness to let go of the uh, of of being right uh you know it's it's unholy it's not what uh, how us Christians are supposed to be. Uh, and then he talks about jealousy, you know, the, this envy, the, the the Greek word is zelos, Z-E-L-O-S, uh, is how we would pronounce it. And, you know, it's not always a bad thing. I mean, it can describe, uh, William Barclay says, it can describe the noble emulation of someone, you know, when confronted with greatness of character and wishes to copy it and attain it. Like, oh man, that person is really, really good at the way they talk to others and really good at letting others know that they care about people. And I wanna be like that, right? That's okay. But it's dangerous when we're not content with what we have and we see what others have and we see it as a blessing. They were blessed and we aren't, right? We were denied a blessing because they got it. It was like, you know, this blessing had to choose who to go to and it chose them. And so they denied me of what is rightfully mine. Uh, And, you know, it causes jealousy and envy and anger and hatred. Uh, And that is something to be concerned about. Now, this is kind of the whole advertising culture, right? You know, someone else has something cool. And well, there's not just one of them. So you can go out and get it too. And all you have to do is go to the dealership and, or go to the whatever and just sign your name and then we get back to debt, right? It's all, it's all related and it's all correlated. So Romans 13, a very interesting chapter, a very interesting chapter that Paul wrote 2000 years ago that speaks to us today and speaks to the way we live and the way that the world works and things that uh, we struggle with and things that we should be able to say no to. Uh, so that's, that's Romans chapter 13. Okay, uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for your love, which overcomes our failures. Uh, We thank you for your, your apostles who were so important in the formation of the church. We thank you for Paul and for his advice to, to how to be more faithful, to how to live uh, a life that pleases you, and we pray that you would help us all to do it, help us all to stay away from debt, help us all to stay away from quarreling and jealousy and all the things that this world tries to uh, put on us. Uh, we pray for our world, Lord. We pray for, for peace and for safety, and we pray for grace for one another, uh, and we pray that um, we would all be safe from uh, this this virus that has uh, affected so many uh, we pray that uh, this, the whole world would, would would come to a place of healing and that uh, we would be able to return to life and that we would, uh, through it, uh, that we would love one another more and uh, uh, shine the light in the darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day. I will see you all soon. Worship on Sunday, 9 and 11, and we will be back with more Bible studies next week, Tuesday, Thursday, 1030. Take care.